Hey guys, happy Tuesday. It's Canada here at PCS Podcast. Check in, tune in, and welcome. All right, here we go. Hey guys, welcome back. Tuesday, May, are we at 14th already? May 14th. Mother's Day was Sunday, May 12th. Um, little update for you. I actually didn't go to Tech Day on Saturday. Unfortunately, I came down with the stomach flu on Friday evening after work. I came home, I was feeling ragged, just terrible. And I told my wife, I don't know if I'm feeling all right. I feel like I might vomit. I just didn't feel right at all. I, I was weak. I was feeling nauseous. This was really weird. But my daughter was throwing up the, about four days before, so I should have known. I should have known it was coming. And I didn't see it coming. And I laid down to go to bed at about 8 o'clock on Friday with feeling just sick and tired. And within 30 minutes, I was out of my bed and leaning over the toilet in what I would describe as a torrent of lunch and dinner. That's all I'm going to say. It was terrible. I was up all night in pain and feeling like I might vomit again, so I was kind of scared to go to sleep. And if you've ever had that stomach flu, man, that is the opposite of cool. It's like the worst thing in the world. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, I told my friends. It is just tremendous. Um, it's debilitating. Today we are podcasting from Riverside, California in my Civic. It is hot outside, so we have the air conditioner running, the vehicle's on, the tunes are cranking, and we are talking pinball pinball and cool stuff episode 18.0 i uh, i've been looking at the viewership or the listenership and there's only a few listeners that's fine i don't really care how many listeners there are this again is kind of more for me and my kids than and my friends than anybody so hopefully they get to enjoy it but uh most of all the length of the podcast i find to be interesting it's hovering around 15 minutes and i've listened to a ton of podcasts recently and every day i'm probably listening to at least one um, what I find interesting is that there's just a lot, a lot of, a lot of stuff, a lot of fluff and a lot of stuff, a lot of sort of BSing and a lot of rambling and a lot of repeating. And I don't want to do that because I know that, um, that it's just, I don't know if it's worth saying if it's always a repeat, you know, I repeat myself uh, about certain games I have and certain things that I love about them, but I'm not saying the same thing over and over and I don't want to do that. And that, that's why... I think it's easy to stay at a 15 or 20 minute mark with a pod because it's kind of the sweet spot. You give a listener what they want. If it's interesting, it's interesting. If it's not, it's flushed in 10 minutes. You know what I mean? It's over. So um, here's to 15 to 20 minute podcasts. Hey, uh, quick shout out to Canada. Thanks for doing the intro on today's pod. That was wonderful. Thank you for doing that. Hopefully we'll get Zach Many doing his. I heard Martin's going to do uh, an intro for me um, for one of my pods coming up same way. So hopefully, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from them on subsequent pods. You know, Hey, my cool stuff today is ice cream. So there I was sick as a dog Saturday. Couldn't go to tech day. I was very sad, heartbroken. Sunday rolls around still sick. Mother's day. I treated my wife to a foot massage and a, and I couldn't do much else. That's about as much as I had in me. And, uh, so I was sick Sunday, Mother's Day. I stayed home while they went to dinner with her mother, and I just was miserable. And so Monday rolls around, and I'm finally feeling like I'm, I'm kind of back on my feet. 
And so what did I do? I worked out in the morning. Um, then I, uh, I kind of did some homework in the day or work from home in the day. And then I worked out a little bit in the evening feeling about 80%, you know, 80% healthy. And since I had literally not eaten anything for the past 48 hours, I decided I'm going to eat a nice dinner and night, some delicious roast beef. And my stomach still wasn't feeling 100%, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to go nuts. And um, we went out for ice cream. I took my kids to Rite Aid. And if you've not been to Rite Aid, their ice cream is made by Thrifty Brand Ice Cream. It is the best ice cream you can buy in any store anywhere. I don't care if you're at Ben & Jerry's. I don't care if you're talking Dryers, Briars, Cold Stone, Creamistry. I, don't, I just don't care. Baskin Robbins, I don't care. Thrifty Brand Ice Cream is the best. It's the coolest ice cream in the world because it's super cheap and it's delicious. So what did my kids and I do? We went in the ice cream store. We grabbed three half gallons because it was buy two, get one free at, thrift, at Rite Aid. And we pulled them out. We sat in the back of my truck for about 20 minutes and ate right out of the carton. Three spoons, all three of us just enjoying ice cream to the core. So if you haven't gone to Rite Aid recently, or at all, go there today and buy two things. One half gallon of chocolate malted crunch and one half gallon of chocolate mint. And uh, if it's buy two, get one, then you pick your poison on the third one. But I'm telling you, you won't regret it. It's the best ice cream in the world. So what's up for pinball? I've been doing um, a little bit of watching on a little bit of stream watching, a little bit of podcast listening, of course. Um, nothing really new that we've heard of in the podcast world. A lot of repeating about what's expect, what we're expecting from Wonka, a lot of this and that. A lot of the same narratives. So I don't consider anything really newsworthy right now. Um, but I was, uh, I was thinking, um, there's a game for sale that I'm interested in buying. And I wanted it about $1,000. And why 1000 A 1000 is kind of the sweet spot where if you buy a game and you love it for a year, it's worth it. If you buy, and then you could probably sell it for the same price. A thousand dollars is a spot where it won't hurt too much to buy. A thousand dollars is a spot where if it has even like three or four features that are interesting whatsoever, you're getting your money's worth. And then I thought, would you be a fool? You'd be an idiot not to buy it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you'd be a fool not to buy this because the value is there. So have you ever thought about what what pinball machines give you the most bang for your buck? And um, my argument is. Old games, old games, and, um, and my my favorite candidate for bang for your buck is Roadshow and Judge Dredd. All right, bang for your buck. What do you want in a game? You want features, right? Roadshow, features, two heads that are talking, robotic heads. All right, two of them. They have voiceover. They're great. They're robotic heads. It's literally they are both scoops. If you make the ball into them. There's a subway running from those heads where the mouths are, the scoops, into a kickout to the left. I mean, in the upper play field. That's, that's pretty impressive. That's a lot of features. Two ramps, two separate scoops, um, one in the top left where Bob's Bunker is, and one in the front for Start City. So that's four total scoops we're at now. Four flippers, three subways, and licensed music by Carrie Ann Carter. Is it Carrie Ann Carter? There's a carry on cash or somebody like that. Uh, anyway, you see what I mean. Like, the game is offering you a smorgasbord of features and just an incredible amount of stuff on a wide body. Not to mention that it's a wide body, so you're getting more play field anyway for your buck. Same thing with Judge Dredd. Drop targets, um, subway system, multiple ramps, a literal lock, a, a true lock at the very top dead world. Diverters. You're talking just a mad, uh, three captive balls. There's just 
thing, there's just features for days and there's shots everywhere. So when you think about buying your first pin, it's not a bad idea to have a sort of as a, what's the word, criteria, or like a, a, a very bare bones requirement for the game to have two or more, you know what I mean? You want, you want at least three flippers on your game if you're interested in that. If you're not, then just go with two. But my point is, look for drop targets. Look for multiple scoops. Look for a subway system. Look for multiple, more than one ramp. Look for more than two flippers. Like, when the game has more than, you know, two of something, or, or extra scoops, or extra ramps, or extra flippers, you know you're getting more money for what you're, what you're actually getting in your home. For, you're getting more value for your dollar. And it's important because feature-filled games are going to resell good at a high value anyway, but feature-filled games also last for a very long time in your collection without you getting bored of them. And I've mentioned this before, that I'm not necessarily one who flips and turns games over. I don't like to sell my games. And I do not foresee selling Judge Dredd or Roadshow anytime soon. It's my guess that they'll be in my collection for at least the next two years. There's nothing I can see that would displace them. Uh, maybe a new game after Wonka, but I doubt it because I've got room. I don't need to sell them, and um, that's the bottom line. And, and also, I got them at a low price enough to where I feel comfortable keeping them in my home and, and enjoying them for that kind of value. So I love the sense of value I get from that collection and those items. Um, another thing, bang for your buck, brand new machine. Look at Monster Bash. I have that game. Compare that to a Stern Pro. You look at both those playfields on any Stern Pro made recently and tell me if they even compare. Monster Bash has diverters, uh, lowering accessible ramp with Frankenstein, like three or four toys. There are seldom any toys on a Stern Pro. A lot of plastics. Um, that's not to say that they're bad or anything. I'm just saying you get more for your dollar out of these Chicago remakes than you do out of a Stern Pro if you're going at the classic level because it's $6,000. The uh, AFM remake and the Monster Bash remake were $6,000, if I remember correctly. I believe AFM may have been $62, but I know for sure Monster Bash was $5,900. And so I know I can tell you that because I own it. But um, the fact is, I think you're getting more bang for your buck out of that company than you are with Stern, and that's just the way it is. But obviously Stern's the king, so we kind of got to understand that going in. What am I talking about today beyond that? What kind of opinions do you guys have? I heard this... I heard this opinion, I think Canada was mentioning it, about pop bumpers. Um, and I, I got to thinking, what it, you know, who cares about pop bumpers? Do I care? I'll tell you when I care about pop bumpers. I care about pop bumpers being on a play field or on any machine when they actually impact the game. Let me give you an example. A pop bumpers on Iron Maiden. Okay, you know where they are. They're about, they're about ta- uh, just above the, the lower third of the play field on the left side. Through the next to the spinner and through through which you must shoot to access the left ramp. Okay, the pop bumpers are very close to the slingshots, very close to the flippers, relatively speaking to other pinball machines. So what does that mean? That means they're going to impact the game because they're whenever the pop bumpers are active in that game, that ball could come flying out and hit your flipper without reaction time, without any chance to react. And that's why it's important for that game. That's why they're, they're relevant in that game. That's why I love them where they are in that game because the pop bumpers impact the game and play on your strategy. They play on if you want to access that point, that part of the game, whether you, or not you want to risk that randomness or not. It's an important thing about the game, okay? Um, diametrically opposed to that sort of impact is a game like Metallica, a game like Munsters, and a game like Monster Bash. I've owned... Um, two of those games, of course. I don't own a Monsters, never have, never will. But 
Think about it. The pop bumpers are in the top right part of the play field. They are sitting up there isolated, very much so. And, and they, are, they are isolated to the point where they're hard to access except by hitting a loop. And they, they don't have any sort of impact on the flippers because they don't fire back at the flippers. What happens instead is the ball hits the pops, fires around for a minute, and then trickles out the, le the right orbit down back to your flippers in a very organized and uniform fashion. So you know what to expect. There is no added impact to the game. There is no added randomness to the game. So for that reason, I would argue that they don't impact the game. I would argue that they have zero impact. I own Metallica long enough to experience that. And I always lamented the fact that the pop bumpers were there just for noise and effect and points and, and a possible mode interaction rather than actual physical interaction with the game and the player. And that was a bummer to me. I thought, you know, that's that's kind of wasted space, if I can say that. I don't I don't want to be negative, but I'm not I'm not trying to be negative. What I'm trying to say is that that space has no bearing on the outcome of the game. And I think that when a play field is so defined and limited as far as what kind of space a designer can work with, why would they limit their space by putting something in it that has no impact on the gameplay itself and on the player himself? You know what I mean? So think about that, like, what Judge Dredd has zero pop bumpers, and it's a wide body, not a single pop bumper. Why? The designer didn't think they, they impacted the game. And I, have, I haven't studied Trudeau's games very extensively. I know he did Ghostbusters, and there's pops in that game. And, and they're really, in my opinion, irrelevant in that game as well. But I would be interested to see how many games he didn't include pop bumpers on. That's an interesting little uh, statistical experiment to conduct and research to conduct. Probably I'll do it someday, but just not today. But my, my, uh, my point is this. If a game's pops don't affect the player at all and don't affect the playing of the game and the, and the impact of and where the ball's going to go, really, and, and the reaction of the player, then aren't they at least arguably wasted space on a playfield? I mean, think about it. A ramp is placed in a, on a spot in the playfield for you to hit it. It impacts where you're going to shoot the ball and where the ball's going to return at every moment. There's a scoop on the playfield. That impacts where you're going to hit the ball and where that scoop's either going to VUK back to you or whether it's going to hit a subway and go somewhere else in the playfield and pop back up for you to hit again. Those types of features impact everything. Drop targets impact whether you're going to hit them or not and in what order. Um, what other features do you have? Magnets, they are target shots, bash toys. Everything that I've just mentioned impacts the game because you are shooting for it or you're trying to avoid it. All right? It's just, it's to me, strange that pops are seemingly the only animal in pinball where they are placed on almost every play field, yet they have very little to no impact on most games. So, something to think about when you buy your next pinball is do I care whether the pop bumpers have any play on the game? And if they don't, do I want the game still? Or do I want to buy a game with, with more active and impacting pop bumpers or no pop bumpers whatsoever? Um, I have another discussion point here. Drinking and pinball. Now, I don't know if you guys are all drinkers or not drinkers. That's fine. I used to drink a lot, and now I don't drink so much anymore, if at all. I've probably drank maybe eight times in the last ten months. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a big drinker, and when I drink now, it's very light as opposed to before. It was pretty heavy. I used to party a lot. Um, but one thing I never did was drink and play pinball. And the reason was, and my friends can attest to this, is because I'm terrible at pinball when I drink. And so the limited time I get to play pinball, I'd like to maximize in the enjoyment of it by being at least a tolerable player during my playing time. And when I drink, I can't even hit a single ramp. So I'd like to make my pinball time enjoyable. And to do that, I don't drink when I play. 
but of course everybody's different so I have friends who can't hit a lick and can't flip at all until they start drinking that's fine um, but I wonder how you guys are and, and what you're drinking if you are playing I got lots of friends who drink and play pinball I'm just not a big fan of it we go to the events and the festivals at the Museum of Pinball and everybody's partying and having a good time and I'm like seemingly one of the few who are not drinking because I'm like hey guys I suck when I drink I don't want to suck today I want to play and have fun and maybe even have a little tech tournament today that'd be fun you know um let's see here there's a lot of crap on monsters on Pinside a lot of people dumping on it um and why I think it's just the code you guys can read the forums, and it seems to be a pretty prominent topic right now. It's at the top of the forums list on Pinside. You know, here's what you can love about Monsters. It's got great ramps. It's a fun game. The lights are absolutely breathtaking, um, and it's an easy game to beat, so it feels satisfying. You can beat it. I mean, come on, guys. Isn't this supposed to be fun? Um, of course, the code could be deepened, I guess, but who thinks Dwight's going to do it? I, don't, I guess nobody does. Um, but I really don't think it matters all too much. If you if you love the game, you love the game. Some are going to love it, some are going to hate it. It just seems like the people who don't like stuff are more vocal about it than those of us who do like stuff. And I can find something to love about any pinball machine. Any pinball. So, what is your opinion about powder coating? Um, I know a lot of guys who have powder coated armor um, on some of their games. I know lots of guys, who, more guys who don't have powder coating on their games. Um, I thought about it, I'm like, you know, it'd be kind of cool to get powder coating on, like, my Wonka or something, but here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to, like, pull the armor off my game in the coin box or maybe just the lockdown bar in the armor and then send it in and have my game be deactivated during that time, not knowing whether the factory is going to get it back to me in the next, like, 30 days or 10 days or whatever, and whatever delay that they incur, I have to incur as well. I don't like that, and I don't like sending my parts of my pinballs away. For some reason, I'm just uncomfortable with it. Call me paranoid, but I just feel like sending parts away from my perfectly working functional pinballs is not sacrilegious, but just tenuous for me. I don't know if I'll ever get powder coating on any game. I just don't. Maybe if I have like a restore project that I buy and I'm working on it, that'll happen, but that's when the game's already in parts and sort of waiting to be fixed and restored, and that's a different scenario, I think. But for the most part, I think all my stainless will remain stainless, and all my powder coating on my Maiden will remain powder coated as it is now. It's a black powder coat. Factory from Stern on the, on the uh, Premium. But um, I, just, I just think um, I love it. I just don't know if I'm ready to sacrifice the time and money for it, you know? And I know it's not terribly pricey anymore, and it looks amazing, and it feels even better on your hands when you play the game. It's just, I don't know, maybe uh, if a group of us are going to do it, we'll just all shred our games and tear them down and send it all in at once to get the group discount from some powder coating vendor. Maybe that's how it's going to happen eventually for me. Uh, but until that day, I'm like kind of like, all right, man, I'll wait for one of my friends to take the leap. I know a buddy of mine, Scott, who does refurbs, has done it multiple times. Um, pretty sure he's done it at least a couple times. I know he did it on his fishtails that he restored, but um, it didn't seem like a hassle to him. So maybe I'll ask him where he did his and run it by. But right now, as you know, all of my money is not going to powder coating or anything like that. It's going right into Wonka, and I still have a lot of saving to do. But uh, fortunately for me, I have yet to put the money down on the game, just to put an order in, and hopefully my priority is high. You know, I've got a memory today I'd like to share. The, um, has anybody ever been to Idlewild, California, that little mountain town up in the mountains to the east of Hemet, California, to the south of Palm Springs in the mountains, in the San Jacinto Mountains? Um, there it is. It's about 40 minutes from Menifee, where I live. And um, we went to pizza at the Idlewild Pizza Company, and uh, it's owned by a lady, I think it's a lady named McKenna. 
Um, it's either McKenna or Helen or Kenna or something like that. I think I'm close on that. But um, a very nice facility, really neat little uh, pizzeria there in the mountains tucked away and delicious pizza to say, to say the least. And they have beer on tap and everything else. But what do they have there? They have a little mini arcade and they have a Simpsons pinball party on location there to play on five ball no less for 50 cents a play. So I was in love. I filled it with quarters. I bought four credits. And within my first credit, um, this was about three years ago, maybe two and a half. Within my first credit, I had an extra I had an extra ball and a replay. So it was like, whoa, this game's pretty forgiving. The scores were set low for replay and extra ball. And it's a lot of fun. And I was kind of just tearing it up. But um, it was a really fun time. I had three credits remaining after about 30 minutes when my wife said, hey, we got to go, man. We can't sit around here all day wait, waiting for you to finish your game. Um, the game could have used some work, but it was still in good enough shape to shred and just enjoy and play. You could hear all the call-outs. Uh, the playfield could have used a couple spotlights, but that's all right, too, because I could, I could still see it enough to get some extra balls, right? I was seeing it enough to play it effectively. And I really enjoyed it. So next time you're in Idlewild, stop by Idlewild Pizza Company and have yourself a game. It's just a great time. They got some driving games for the other kids and redemption stuff. They got some coin-op candy machines. Um, it's a really fun place and a really nice uh, staff there, of course. And I, I just really, I really enjoyed it. So next time I go, I know that's where I'm stopping for lunch and for pinball. And with that, make sure you plan a weekend up there in Idlewild. Make sure you keep planning. Uh, happy Tuesday to everybody. Thanks for listening. We will catch up with you in a few days. PCS Podcast, out. Out.